I want you to know that that act of coming together as community in prayer for part of our church family illustrates so very, very well what the message is today as we continue with evangelism and discipleship. Because it all comes down to this, which we started out with a few weeks ago, loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and loving others as you love yourself. That's how this works. And as we practice that, we create, um, I'm trying to think of the best word, we create a gravity, if you want to call it that, that draws people in. It's obvious that Jesus is the way to salvation. That's very clear in the scripture. It's obvious that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the difference and brings that person into the kingdom. But it's people looking at us, and you'll see how this plays out today, that can give them the desire to really want what we have in Christ. And so we're on part two of last week. You receive power. That's Acts 1.8. Jesus is there with his disciples. He's getting ready to leave. He's giving them final instructions. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And I read that as you shall be my witnesses in Chester, in South Carolina, in the United States. And all the parts of the world. And guess what? It's us to think that God has given us this divine privilege to be a part of his eternal operation for people to come to him. I thought of a question. How big is heaven? Oh gosh. It's <laughs> a good answer. How big is heaven? We don't know. But wouldn't it be wonderful? Well, let me just rephrase that. It will be wonderful when we arrive there, those of us who know Christ, and we look around and we see how God has added to the number, to the population of heaven because of what he has done in us and we allow him to work through us. All the difference in the world. Remember, every person we encounter, doesn't matter who it is, every person we encounter, they have an eternal destiny. Either they're going to heaven or they're going to hell. God has graced us with the privilege and opportunity to share the reality of who he is and to demonstrate who he is in such a way that others will want what we have. But there's still that rub. So let's work on it a little bit today and trust and believe the Holy Spirit will do a greater, deeper work of grace in each of us. That's my prayer for me. I I pray that for you as well. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. What's an unwholesome word? I know we've been over this how many times? It's a word that what? Does not edify. 
So when I am talking to someone or talking about someone, are the words that are coming from my mouth, which, by the way, originate in my heart, are they words of encouragement, words of edification? Sheila and I were doing devotion this morning, and one of the writers was talking about correction. You know, when people that you know and love and you see that they're headed down a path, and we're talking about believers now that have somehow been captivated by sin, and God wants to do a work in their life. So what is our responsibility? Well, the first thing, if you've heard this 10,000 times, let me say it again. When we see something in someone else's life, the first thing we want to do is examine our own life and see if God's held up a mirror. Because he's been trying to tell us and we wouldn't pay attention. And so he holds up a mirror so we can see it in somebody else. And it ain't pretty. And we realize it's time for us to do something about that. Secondly, God never, listen carefully to me. God never, ever lets you see the flaws of others so you can become their critic and their accuser. Did you get that? What he does is he lets us see it so we can examine ourselves and then we can become their intercessors because he wants somebody to bring them to his altar in prayer. Not to go to everybody and talk about all the things we see wrong in that person's life. And then finally, when the time comes in God's timing... And I got to tell you, I've had to work on this. I'm still working on this. In God's timing, go to that person. Always go to them with truth and in love so you can be for them the help and benefit that God desires you to be for them. That's why this says, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And then we get to this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption in your personal life. Now look at, look at how that switches. You're to have words of encouragement, edification, and then the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul to come back and write this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you and put it away with all malice. Done. Gone. He is cleaning us up from the inside. And as time goes on, we find and realize more and more how he has done that work of grace within us and how amazing it is so that those that we encounter, wherever we encounter them and whatever the circumstances may be, we don't always get to pick those circumstances. But we're to always be the ones who speak the truth in love for his glory and for his praise. But always sharing the reality of Christ. Because that's encouraging. It really is encouraging when you're sharing with someone else. This is who Jesus is. This is what Christ does. This is what he means to me. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving forgiving each other. I'm sorry. My gifting is profit. 
The typical greatest weakness of prophet is the ability to forgive. And so I can testify to you with great truth. It is a gift of God in my life that I can forgive anybody of anything. Now, I don't say that braggadociously. That's not the point. The point is, I know because of my study of the scripture, that is a deep, deep, deep work of God that he's done in my life. But he doesn't say that. It doesn't say, now be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Steve, forgiving each other, forgiving others. No, he's saying that to all of us. Why is this such a problem in the church of Jesus Christ in our day? Why is there such a problem that we're unwilling to forgive others what they've done to us, but it says just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's how much we forgive. I'm humbled beyond measure when I think of how much God has forgiven me. He lost me so deeply. As I said last week, uh, quoting a young lady I'd heard the previous day, she said, when I realized how much God loved me, I couldn't believe it. Well, guess what? He loves all of us that way. It's to the point of unbelievable. And so why would I harbor? Why would I hold on? Why would I have ill will towards someone else when what he's done for me? I mean, you have to be very honest. It's the flesh. I want it. I want it my way. I want them to pay a price. They hurt me. I want to see them get hurt. <laughs> it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. And where does he live? In the person of the Holy Spirit, he lives right in me. He lives in you as those of us who know Christ. Somebody sent this. I thought it was pretty good, so I asked Chris to get it for me. <laughs> Here's where we grieve the Holy Spirit. When you want to say something, but the Holy Spirit is trying to interrupt you, and so what do you do? Shut up, Holy Spirit. I don't want to hear what you got to say. Have you ever done that? Don't raise your hand. We've all done that at some point in time. We've all chosen That what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us, we don't want to hear because it doesn't fit our emotions or our feelings as we think it should. So we just want to shut up, Holy Spirit. You say, oh, that would be terrible. Well, then stop doing it. I agree. It is terrible. Quit it. And then we go to Jesus again, loving his disciples, loving them so much, wanting desperately for them to live out the reality that God has created for them to live. So the night before, he is to be crucified in the upper room. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. So how is it, based on the word of God, you're looking at it now, how is it that this world will know that we are his? 
by the way we treat each other. How you doing? Or maybe a better question is, how are we doing collectively as well? By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Romans 5, 5. In case I didn't put it up, but it's, you can look it up. The Spirit of God has put the love of God in our hearts. In other words, this is not a human emotion. This is not something you can sit there and work on and try and be better at. No, it's surrender, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to have his free reign in your life so that when we talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit as we did last week, that we are controlled by him because we surrender to him. And as a result of that, the love of God in us is spread abroad to those that we encounter, wherever we encounter them, whoever they may be. And they get to see. You see what it says? They get to see us. They get to hear us. They get to look at our social media post and determine, do these people truly love God and love each other? Do they have something to offer that is better than what I have? I quoted Jim Semler a few weeks ago when he was talking about the divorce rate in the church, which is no different than the divorce rate in the world. Well, that makes no sense to me. And his point was, if I were an unbeliever, then I would say to those who are headed in that direction, wait a minute, are you saying that Jesus is not enough? To keep the two of you together, I would have to amen Jim Semelo's comments. If we love one another, if we walk this out to glorify and honor him, because here's the fruit of the Spirit. Remember again? Oh, by the way, did anybody get squeezed this week? I got squeezed again. More. And this time it wasn't under the kitchen sink. Hallelujah. And by the way, I appreciate all the handyman who explained to me later what I did wrong. Just, I'm so grateful. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And against this... These things, there's no law. In other words, there's no limit to the Holy Spirit working in my life and your life and how much of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control will be poured into my life to be poured through my life so that others can see and realize and know and understand this is what God does when he has his place in us. That was a hallelujah case, didn't I? <laughs> now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. See, here's what we're getting to the rub again. Have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, 
let us also walk by the Spirit. <laughs> That's why I was trying to be very careful while I go to explain to you that I know the work of forgiveness in me is a work of God. It is a, a divine work. There's no question for Steve Bishop. Because used to, it wasn't that when you did something to me, I was going to get even. I never, ever, one time thought about getting even with somebody who did something wrong to me. Getting ahead was my plan. In other words, you wrong me, I'm going to up you and wrong you to a whole different, different level. So I know the grace of God in that area of my life. So when I get boastful, but instead we're challenging one another, envying one another. You see how this is working? When the Spirit of God has His place in our life, it changes how we do life. So what does this have to do with evangelism and discipleship? We spend a lot of our time focused on the wrong things. Years ago, the story is told of some missionaries who were going to South America. Many years ago, the ship they were on was a very slow-moving vehicle. Vessel, I mean, correct that. And on this Vessel headed for South America were a number of missionaries from different mission organizations. And so one of the couples was in their room praying because on this ship were a large number of people who had no reality of Christ. And so they're in the room praying and they were just so compelled by God that they needed to share the reality of Christ with everybody on the ship that didn't know Jesus. And so they set out. As they walked out of the room, the first person they encountered, they shared the reality of Christ. As they moved down the corridor, they encountered other people. They shared the reality of Christ. And this went on for a little while. And then, and then the husband said, oh, wait a minute. There's a bunch of us on this ship. If all of us are doing this, then we're hammering these people. We need to get everybody together and have a coordinated effort. Now, you understand, these are missionaries going to a foreign country to serve in the kingdom of God. They get them all together, and this missionary stands up. He says, fellas, folks, let me, um, let's, let's get something, an action plan here. My wife and I have been sharing Christ, and, and we know you guys have been sharing Christ, and we want to make sure we cover everything and we do it well. So let's do an action plan. crickets that's all there was you know why because none of the other missionaries on that ship headed for south america had shared the reality of christ with not one person they were just getting to the mission field the reason i'm using that old illustration sometimes we think somebody else will and they may not. And are we willing to let someone's eternal destiny hinge on the possibility that someone else might take responsibility and share the reality of Christ? And the answer should be what? No. No. 
would never do that. Whenever, wherever. Now, please understand, I truly believe in being led by the Spirit of God. I do. And I know there are some times that it's much richer and more fuller and more favorable to share the reality of Christ. But at the same time, I can't remember a time when the Holy Spirit ever told me, Steve, don't share Jesus with that person. I just haven't had that experience. Maybe you have. I don't know. But if we're going to be the kingdom-minded people that live here in this community, and by the way, think about it. The population of Chester County has not changed a whole lot in the last 100 years. But the number of those who profess and live out Christ has diminished. I got to tell you, that's embarrassing to me having been here for the number of years I have. Why are we not seeing this place of Chester, South Carolina become such an abode of God? Such a dwelling place of God because of us and our life and our love for each other. And not just the ones of us who are in this body, but those of us who are in Christ. Why is it that we're not seeing a huge growth movement of God I think we should be praying for that I think we should be praying for every resident of Chester County to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and then to walk it out not just get a ticket get them out of hell into heaven but for the time that we're all here that we would be used of God I shared that with another pastor a few years ago and he said let me tell you about a dream I had He said, I had this dream and said there was this interesting thing that was happening. He said, it was like I was looking at I-77, southbound, northbound, at the junction down at 9. And he said, all these cars were coming and they were all getting off on Highway 9 and they were all coming to Chester. And he said, I got to tell you, he said, I was just so into this dream that I knew God was giving me. I was asking God, God, why? Why is this happening? And he said the answer he got from God that day was, because I'm here. I want that. I would believe that you do as well. The question for each of us is, are we willing to do our part? So that that is exactly what happens. We're not waiting for the cars to come, but the ones who are already here. The ones in our family. The ones on our job. The ones at school. The ones we encounter as we buy groceries or whatever it is we do. Just share the reality. This is my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus and how he has transformed my life as the Holy Spirit has accomplished in me all that needs to be done. If we're spouting words of condemnation, criticism, and accusation, it's not going to fly very well. If we're instead doing words of edification and encouragement, it can make a huge difference. If we're selfishly holding on to my Jesus, 
and not willing to share his reality with someone else. I don't think that's our heart. I don't think it is. I really don't. Those taillights coming to Chester, by the way. We're getting closer. We're not there yet. We're getting closer to the land behind us being sold and developed into housing. Or if all the housing is done that is planned, we'll be right at a thousand people next door to us. We're not waiting till then to start. Let's do it now. Share his reality, who he is, who he is to you and how the difference is made. And then let the Holy Spirit show you if your verbiage and your actions are not in alignment with who he is, particularly in loving one another.